wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. WrestleMania 36 being moved to the WWE Performance Center wasn't bad enough. We found out from Alberto Del Rio on Monday that he's apparently been in contact with WWE in talks for a potential return down the road later on in 2020. He told Noscayo La Noche the other day, We have been in communication. We have rebuilt the bridge. On their part, they were wrong in some decisions, and I also did some things wrong on my part. I'm hoping that we can reach an agreement sometime this year or by the middle of this year. I'll be back there is what he told these people on the interview show a few days ago. Thankfully, that rumor was quickly debunked, and I know this is coming from Del Rio himself, it's not some sort of internet rumor, but it seems like this rumor is going the same way of that Enzo Amore rumor from last year, I think it was last year, when there were talks about WWE being interested in bringing back Big Cass and Enzo, they were doing a lot better, and I think that was around the time they were doing that... Um, you know, that string of indie shows with Northeast Wrestling and other promotions. Enzo was doing a bunch of matches late last year. Then the whole big cast thing happened where he was uh, had that altercation at an indie show. He was called drunk, intoxicated, whatever. He's had some problems. Um, Enzo, I think, has been fairly clean for the most part ever since he's been released from WWE. You know, he's had a few, you know, why would you do that type moments, like when he showed up at Survivor Series in the audience a few years ago. But it seems like he's largely been doing well from what I've seen. And to his credit... Um, he actually did post a, a video on Twitter a few days ago going to the house of one of his fans and delivering like a pizza to him or something like that. I thought that was really, really cool on their birthday. But this isn't about Enzo. What I'm just saying is, is that I think Enzo came out and said, oh yeah, we've been in contact to come back, like hopefully at some point. And then Triple H outright said in a conference call for one of those NXT takeovers last year, no, there have been no contacts. There have been no talks whatsoever with Enzo and Cass. And it sounds like this is a very similar rumor and that Del Rio wants to think that he's on his way back to WWE. And hey, maybe he is. Maybe the you know the powers that be, the people that say no, this isn't happening, are just quietly covering up for what might be later on this year. But I really, 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 really hope not. Um, I think in Del Rio's mind, assuming that the report from the people inside WWE, the sources from WWE, are true, uh, maybe in Del Rio's mind, being in contact with WWE is the equivalent to asking them if he can come back and they and them saying no. I guess in his mind, that means that he's been talking to them. Um, that doesn't exactly mean that he'll be back there at some point, and hopefully not. So like I said, Del Rio is a person. I mean, I've been, I've been thinking a lot about Del Rio in the last couple months. Not a lot, but like, you know, his name popped up in my head late last year thinking to myself, whatever happened to Alberto Del Rio? Because he had left, well, the, you know, the real quick version of it is that he was fired from WWE in August of 2014 after getting into it with like a social media worker for the company who had made some sort of racist comment towards him. Um, and obviously they shouldn't have done that. I'm pretty sure they were later like, oh, I mean, how could they not be? And Del Rio acted in a way where it was kind of a weird situation because you can't blame the guy for just getting angry and lashing out at this person. But at the same time, to get physical with them and stuff like that, that could probably lead to a lawsuit. So I could see why WWE would want to let them go, would want to let uh, Del Rio go, that is. So he left, made a name for himself on the indie scene. And Del Rio was a guy even before he got let go by WWE. I mean, it was only inevitable that he was going to be um, on his way out. There were talks in like early 2014 that I've talked about here on the show before, many, many years ago when we first started doing WrestleRant Radio, you know, in early 2014, that Del Rio probably wasn't long for the company. Um, he was brought in on the main roster in the summer of 2010, had a pretty solid stint, all things considered, a former World Heavyweight Champion, WWE Champion, um, and then for whatever reason, it just fizzled out. I mean, I think he was a four-time World Champion, if you can believe it. He won the WWE title, I think, twice in the span of a few months in 2011. Um, had a pretty subpar 2012. He got hurt for a while, came back, um, feuded with Sheamus for what felt like a million pay-per-views in 2012. 
turned face, kind of got over in that role. Um, I was involved in a World Heavyweight Championship match at WrestleMania 29 with Jack Swagger, one of the more forgettable World Championship clashes in recent Mania history, but he's on the record books, and nonetheless is walking out of WrestleMania that night as the World Heavyweight Champion. Um, went heel, won back the title, and um, yeah, so he was a former four-time World Champion in WWE. He had a, you know, quite a bit of success, former Mr. Money in the Bank winner, winning the Royal Rumble in 2011. He did a lot. Um, but then he just quietly fizzled out. They had no plans for the guy. And I always thought the guy was a good wrestler, but I kind of quickly grew bored of his character like a lot of people did. He did nothing in 2014. He was largely relegated to undercard stuff. Um, no notable feuds. He really did a lot, a whole, a whole lot of nothing in 2014 before that whole incident happened. But when he left WWE, that was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to the guy. Went to Ring of Honor. I thought he was awesome in Lucha Underground. I thought he was great over there. Did a whole stint in, over in there and in uh, Ring of Honor for a couple of matches before coming back to WWE in late 2015. And he was booked to look like a star from the get-go. They righted any wrong on that first night when he was brought back as the um, you know, as answering John Cena's U.S. Open Challenge, beating John Cena in clean fashion within a matter of minutes to win the United States Championship. And uh, he was booked to look incredibly strong. He was in great shape, and, you know, people reacted very favorably to that moment. And then it was all downhill from there. There were a lot of reports circling at that point saying that Del Rio was being paid this, like, millions of dollars. And whether that's true or not, I'm sure he was brought back for a pretty, you know, a good lump sum amount. Um, and I mean, I think it was only inevitable that he would be brought back after the way that things ended in 2014. I assume it was one of those deals where they let him go under the assumption that they would let the situation die down, they would bring him back, which is fair. But that second stint may have been even worse than the first. He was a United States champion for a few months, held that belt for about a month or two, didn't really do a whole lot with it. Um, they lumped him into the League of Nations with Sheamus and Wade Barrett and Rusev, which had a lot of potential to be great, but ended up just fizzling out quicker than anyone could have ever expected. They were really just put together, as Sheamus has said in interviews and many other people, Wade Barrett as well. They were only ever really put together to put over Roman Reigns, and that was about it. So after they broke up, I think Del Rio, what did he even do? I don't remember. I know he was losing like random match. He like lost the match and no joke to Zack Ryder on Raw. I remember that because it was right before Zack Ryder lost to um, Rusev at the pay-per-view. That was in the midst of that short-lived Zack Ryder push when he was going for the United States Championship. 2016, all things considered, was a pretty good year for, uh, for Zack Ryder considering that he won the Intercontinental Championship a few months prior to that at WrestleMania 32. But anyway, back on the you know, topic of Del Rio. Um, so they really had no plans for the guy. He was drafted a SmackDown in the draft that summer. Again, proceeded to do nothing with him. I think he lost a couple matches to Randy Orton, to John Cena. And then I think he got suspended via the wellness policy for 30 days. And then before he could ever come back, he, um, I guess his contract, the one that he signed when he came back to the company originally in late 2015 was only for one year. And he opted not to resign, and um, you know there were a lot of there was a lot of news after that with the whole page thing, and then he went to TNA. That was a major flop. Um, he was gone for like the year that he was there. He may have been off of TV for at least three or four months, uh, you know, just due to bad publicity and all this other stuff. The whole page thing, like I mentioned. And then when he came back, he was only around for a couple of months before again they just proceeded to do you know, really not much with a guy at all. I think he was in the world championship scene for a little while, and then he messed up again. Um, I think he no-showed a WrestleCon show, that Impact versus Lucha Underground show. They were doing that WrestleMania weekend two years ago. And then after that, they just severed t- they just severed ties with a guy, and that was it. Um, and then we really have not heard much about Del Rio since in the last two years. And hopefully that that's it. Hopefully that is the last that we hear of Del Rio, and I know we've heard of him recently, but I have no desire to see him back in WWE. And again, he was the perfect package a decade ago when they were looking for their next Latino star. But the guy, you know, I mean, he was boring. He was a lot better as a heel. And I like Del Rio. I really do. I think, I really did anyway. I thought he would have been the perfect guy to build around as their next top Latino star in a certain brand, you know, give him the championship. But he was never really booked to look strong for more than a few months. And then after that ran its course, he kind of burned every bridge that he had between WWE, Lucha, um... You know, even Impact, Ring of Honor, we haven't seen him back there in the last couple of years. So he even said a couple of years ago that he was looking to retire 
within the next five years, and that was six years ago. So I really don't see the worth in bringing back um, Del Rio when you have Rey Mysterio back and you have Angel Garza, you have Humberto Carrillo, you have Andrade. Why would you need to bring back Alberto Del Rio of all people? That just seems silly to me. So hopefully it's nothing more than a rumor. Hopefully it's nothing more than Del Rio trying to get people's attention and get people talking about him again. Because as far as you know, what I've read anyway, WWE has zero interest in bringing him back. And whether it's Del Rio or an Enzo or whoever, they already have a big enough roster. And if it's the right person, maybe I'll listen to that idea. But currently between Raw and SmackDown, I mean, the whole, you know, coronavirus outbreak um, is one thing. And we'll get to that in a moment, the update on WrestleMania and all the other promotions out there being affected by this. But, um, with Del Rio specifically, why I'm spending so long talking about this is because I feel like everyone's talking about the whole coronavirus thing, so I thought I would start off with something different. But um, as far as Del Rio goes, there is absolutely no reason for him to be back in WWE. Like I said, they have a big enough roster as it is. There's enough guys they're already not doing enough with on both brands, and even NXT. So in that case, why would you even bother bringing back Del Rio? The answer is, don't bother at all. Don't even worry about it. But this is WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, March 19th, 2020. I am Graham Jesus Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well, staying safe out there. Obviously, it feels like a lot has changed. I mean, obviously, a lot has changed. But week to week, we have different updates on this whole coronavirus thing. Go back two weeks ago, it was a completely different podcast, a totally different view on the whole thing, a totally different world that we were living in even two weeks ago. Fast forward even a week from last week. It, it was really last Wednesday that things started to break down. It was Wednesday night during Dynamite, that last like half hour of the show, that you know Twitter went nuts. I have never seen Twitter that active in a long time. Uh, it, it's been quite some time before I've seen Twitter in an uproar about something, not just even including something wrestling related. It was that crazy on Wednesday night between the NBA postponing their season, um, the Trump travel ban between here and Europe that later extended to the UK and Ireland. So. Any UK, Ireland, you know, Irish, European talents coming over for WrestleMania weekend, that wasn't going to happen. I'll talk about WrestleMania weekend in a moment. You know, social gatherings of more than 500 people, I think was the original number. Then it was dwindled down to 250 people. And then it got down to like 50 people. And some people are even saying 10 people now. You can't be in a place with more than 10 people. It, it obviously depends on where you live and what the circumstances are. But that's how serious this thing is. The whole coronavirus, COVID-19 outbreak that has become a major concern, of course, um, as it relates to a lot of different things. People losing jobs, how it's affecting literally everything. Schools are out, you know, jobs are being cut short. We actually had restaurants, movie theaters, gyms all shut down within the last three days here, at least in Connecticut. Um, They put that edict out on early Monday. Everything was closed by Monday night at 8 p.m. So again, I was actually planning on going to see onward on Tuesday and didn't have a chance to do that because the movie theater closed by 8 p.m. on Monday. So <laughs> I guess I'll have to wait a couple months before I could see the movie or really anything for that case. And again, I, I, I kicked off this podcast two weeks ago talking about how, oh, the COVID-19, the coronavirus outbreak cost me no time to die. The 007 movie that was due out next month. And it's done a lot more damage than just, you know, postponing movies. There's a lot more to this than just that. It's a lot more serious than that. Um, so hopefully people are staying safe, taking the proper precautions, washing hands, staying inside, social distancing as, as it's called, um, you know, all that other stuff. You, you know the drill. Just uh, be alert. Try not to go out if you don't have to. Obviously work is one thing and, uh, you know, emergencies and stuff like that. But other than that, even if you are feeling sick, as they've read many other places, Treat it as if you do have the coronavirus. Make sure you're not interacting with anyone. Quarantine yourself. Stay home for at least 14 days. It seems to be the timetable for when this thing passes, as far as from what I've read. But I've read a lot of conflicting reports over the last week, two weeks, month. I mean, again, I read a report, not just a report, but people were saying a month ago, oh, this is nothing to worry about. Oh, the idea of WrestleMania being postponed or canceled or moved or whatever is laughable. That would never happen. And here we are. On Thursday, March 19th, and WrestleMania is due to happen not only at the Performance Center with no one in attendance, 
but over the span of two days. If you told me that even a month ago, I would have called you crazy. But we're getting into all of that here on today's show. Before we go any further, and I know I always get into the intro and all that introductory stuff well after I should, um, but like I said, WrestleRant Radio, you can find it every single Thursday right here on multiple platforms. And I say right here, but that could really mean anything. Um, you can find the show in full on nextairwrestling.net, on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, um, Podbean, we're on Google Play, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, we're all over the place, baby, so be sure to subscribe to the show, rate the show, review the show, all that stuff is greatly appreciated, and now podcasts are really keep, keeping people sane right now, because um, a lot of people are staying home with nothing to do. Thankfully, I've been social distancing myself from other people for years now, so this is nothing new for me personally. Um, I know there's no sports on, wrestling is very limited in terms of the shows that are being put on. I know, you know, obviously Raw is still airing, and we had Dynamite last night, which I'll get into, which I thought was a great show, and served as an awesome distraction from everything going on right now. I thought it was perfect. Raw, not so much, although I, you know, they did what they could with it. Um, NXT did not really air in its original format on Wednesday. They advertised the championship celebration from Adam Cole. They advertised a couple of qualifying matches with Candice LeRae versus... um, uh, what was her name? Uh, Mercedes Martinez. I forgot her opponent for a second. That w- which would have been an awesome match, but that never happened due to the whole COVID uh, COVID nineteen outbreak. They were forced to change the format of the show. They probably saw what happened with SmackDown and with Raw, and they didn't want to do that exact same thing. Um, at least at the PC, because if you see the same show three times a week at the same arena with no one there, it's gonna get old real fast. I said as much during my SmackDown review last Saturday, coming off of that first Performance Center show on Friday night, which again, they did what they could with it. There were a lot of flaws and things they could improve upon. And yes, I agree. I think the company should be commended for going on with this stuff anyway. During a time where we have no sports and no forms of entertainment to distract us from this whole you know, uh, nonsense going out here in the world and everything else. And I say nonsense, but it should be taken seriously. But this whole, um, you know, the pandemic, as it was officially, um, you know, uh, declared about a week ago. I think I discussed that last week here on the show. I think it was before I recorded last week's show that it was officially declared a pandemic. But anyway, that actually caused me, as I said last week here on the show, to cancel my California trip that I originally had planned for um, about a, you know, about a week ago. We were supposed to leave Friday, come back Wednesday, and do this show here today discussing dynamite and everything else. But that one day, literally that one half an hour on Wednesday night, um, changed everything, and I canceled my trip. Literally, as I was recording this show a week ago on late Thursday night, um, I was waiting to hear back from Priceline. I already had my airline switched for July, and even that might be optimistic from what I'm reading. This could be done in a month. This could be done in a number of months. This could be done by July, August, maybe even later. Some schools are closed in certain parts of the country until September, you know, at least schools here in the Connecticut area, and again, it's it's different everywhere, but they're saying at least until the end of the month, two weeks, what does that mean? That could mean anything. Um, so we'll soon see how serious, I mean, it obviously is very serious, but in terms of how we're being affected and whether this whole quarantine, social distancing stuff will really help uh, flatten the curve, as people are saying. So hopefully it does, and we can get back to normal sooner rather than later. But even hoping and planning on things for June or July or August might be optimistic. I saw that WWE postponed their big Madison Square House show from, I think it was supposed to be this Saturday or Sunday. It had Rhea Ripley on the card defending the NXT Women's Championship. DX was supposed to be there and a number of other big matches. They had to postpone the show. Obviously, there's no events going on right now. Everything has been canceled. So the next time I hear about something being canceled or moved, I'm not really that surprised. So when I found out on Monday that the Dynamite show that we were supposed to go to Alexis RJ and I on Wednesday, April 15th, that was the fact that it was being postponed, that announcement, I was far from shocked. I think everything for at least through May is going to be postponed or canceled. And that includes a lot of different things. It can include graduations, which is a real shame for people graduating this year and stuff like that. Um, It poses a, a lot more problems than just events being canceled. You know, people are out of jobs and work and It's very serious, and it's having a lot of repercussions even in the last week alone. So hopefully we can get back on track within the next month or two. Hopefully what we're doing now and the efforts we're taking to, you know, slow this thing down as quickly as we can is working. We we really don't know. We're kind of in an uncertain period right now. Um, I've heard, you know, I heard about a week ago that based off calculations and whatnot, we were about two weeks behind from Italy. And Italy, it's pretty bad over there right now. 
And there's a lot of different, you know, factors that go into it because Italy is an older population. I'm, I'm not sure it's they're a lot closer than we are, if that makes any sense. That's kind of coming from the, the doctor that I was hearing talk about it on the Talk is Jericho podcast on Wednesday. There's a lot of different factors that could go into it. Um, China is bigger and there, you know, it, it kind of passed within a month, not, not, not a month, it was more like two or three months. And now it seems like they're going back to a normal state of business right now over in China. So if they're a bigger country and it didn't really hit them as hard as, I'm not really sure. Again, it's, it's kind of hard to predict. I would love to say, oh, you know, it took three months or two and a half months for them to get back to normal. Maybe it'll be the same here because we're not as big as China, but it doesn't, I mean, it's, it doesn't exactly work like that. I would love to apply logic to the situation, but we won't really know for at least another week or two in terms of how many people have it and, um, you know, the death rate and stuff like that. I don't think it'll you know, um, you know, I, I was reading reports that it could kill up to a million people. Who knows? We really have no idea. This could kill thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions. I think a lot of people will be infected. I think it's more about keeping us, you know, keeping ourselves distance from those that could really be prone to this thing that could, that could really affect people with already that already have weakened immune systems and you know issues medically medical issues and stuff like that younger people definitely older people um i think that's really what we should be aware of and you know i was the same person a week or two ago that was saying oh they shouldn't cancel these events if anyone has it just stay home it's not that simple and clearly based off what's going on in other parts of the world we are doing the right thing by canceling all these things right now and it, and it stinks i'm not i'm not going to deny it you know, it, real, it really, really stinks. We had a bunch of stuff we were looking forward to going to between the XFL game, you know, the Northeast Wrestling Show in a couple weeks. Matt Hardy was supposed to be there. That got canceled. The XFL season is over, as they talked about last week here on the show. Um, you know, the Dynamite Show got postponed until August. We were going to go to Impact Rebellion, which there's been no official word on, but obviously it's not happening. It's New York City, for God's sakes. There's no chance that's happening. That was supposed to happen on Sunday, April 19th. That ain't happening either. So all the stuff that we were planning on going to, it all got canceled and it stinks, but we just got to have to deal with, um, you know, there's no one to blame for this thing because it's a virus. You know, this stuff happens not every so often. I don't want to say it happens every year because we have the flu every year, yes, but nothing quite this serious. We don't get put into a national lockdown every day. Um, that being said that we just got to let it pass and do our best and do our part to ensure that this thing does not get worse. And if we can do that, hopefully we can't be back to normal, you know, in, in a perfect world within a month or two, I think it'll be a lot longer than that from what I'm reading and hearing. Um, but just to stay calm, not to panic and try to distract yourself to the best of your ability. And for those listening to this by watching wrestling. And I think WWE and definitely AEW did a great job of that this past week of putting on a great distraction from reality with their Raw shows. You know, NXT wasn't a former wrestling show, mind you, but I think what they did with it in taking a different approach, I mean, obviously, AEW is the more musty show of the two. It's not even close. Um, but I watched NXT afterward. No original matches. You know, they, there was a lot of original content and interviews with people like Johnny uh, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Rhea Ripley, Finn Balor. All great stuff kind of recapping the Gargano Champa few, they recapped Rhea Ripley's rise to superstardom in WWE from where she started to where she is now as the NXT Women's Champion. They uh, discussed Finn Balor's ride to uh, the top of WWE from NXT to the main roster, coming back to NXT just recently. Um, I thought it was awesome that, you know, NXT does a great job with the video packages and storytelling and not missing those minor details. I think they've done a really, really good job of that over the years, and Wednesday's episode was no exception. But, um, you know, even something like that, I think is a great distraction from what's going on around us right now. And if you're going to be cooped up in your house anyway, why not enjoy shows like that, you know? Dynamite was more of a former wrestling show, and I feel like Dynamite really benefited from WWE going first in terms of putting on empty arena shows first because they kind of learned from their mistakes, and maybe they were going to do what they were what they did last night anyway. But I feel like, you know, they're not dumb people. Chris Jericho even talked about it on his podcast on Wednesday that he... I believe, watch SmackDown on Friday. You know, obviously, I think a lot of people did just to see what they would do in front of an empty arena. And they learned what worked about it. They kind of figured out what worked, what didn't really work as well. And I think Daly's Place is a bit of a better venue for shows in an empty arena than the Performance Center, which is a lot smaller. And you can hear, like, the air conditioning in the building. It's it's that bad. I mean, it's just a, that, that small of a venue that I'm not really that surprised that at this current point, that they're running shows there. But what are you going to do? You can't cancel all the shows for the next couple months. But I do think Daly's Place is a bit of a better venue for that type of thing, especially when you fill up the crowd with 
wrestlers on the roster and you know stuff like that kind of keeping it lively and it's not completely quiet I think AEW did a much better job of that than WWE did on Friday and Monday with Smackdown and Raw respectively but hopefully WWE again this is all new to everybody it's only been one week so hopefully by this Friday Smackdown I think they're gonna have Gronk on um, who is the official host by the way of WrestleMania 36 in a couple weeks which is kind of cool and I'll talk about that momentarily um, but hopefully by Friday SmackDown, they do a better job of filling up the two hours, not just replaying old pay-per-view matches. And I mean, again, I think there is something to be said for replaying classic content, which I'll get to in a, in a couple seconds, you know, in a little while when I review, uh, Raw from Monday, when they replay the entire men's Royal Rumble match from January. I mean, again, replaying certain matches, especially if they're good is one thing, uh, but to do it for an entire hour and a half, which is basically inviting people to tune out if they haven't already seen it or, if, you know, it's old enough where they don't really care. I don't think it's the greatest approach, but again, they're learning. We're all figuring this out together. Um, Again, I'm completely off track here, but when it comes to the COVID-19 outbreak, how it affects the shows going forward, we just kind of have to go off. We kind of have to go off the assumption that it's going to be lasting for a while. Um, So I would not assume they'll be back to normal with these, you know, actual full arenas and stuff like that, at least until the summer. And if not, maybe May, definitely not April. It seems too soon. It's already March 19th. The month of March is over in a week or two. Um, and even by then, I don't think we'll be, we'll far from be back to normal by that point. And it's going to be, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. But um, that's just kind of the stuff that we have to deal with right now. But we did get some good news out of the week. The Del Rio news notwithstanding. But we did find out on Wednesday night, and I wrote all about this for Bleach Report on uh, early Thursday if you haven't already checked it out. But WrestleMania 36 for the first time ever moving to a two-day event. Now, a lot of people have been discussing this possibility for years now. Would they ever do it? Should they do it? Um, Because New Japan Pro Wrestling has been doing this for Wrestle Kingdom for years now. I'm not sure for how long. Actually, maybe just the last, I think just this year. I don't think it's a recent year thing. I think they just did it this year. Um, Because Wrestle Kingdom, as far as from what I remember, has always been a one-night-only thing on January 4th. But this year, I think for the first time, they made it a January 4th pay-per-view and a January 5th pay-per-view, which actually worked out wonderfully. Now, I didn't watch the full show. I do think two shows, two nights of shows is a lot. And I think, you know, both shows were like five hours long each, maybe, if not four, but that's still a lot of wrestling. Uh, With WWE, I don't think it needs to be quite that bad. I don't think they're going to go till midnight on both shows, especially in front of an empty arena. Um, I don't think they're going to go quite that far. But again, we'll, we'll see what they have in mind. Um, I do absolutely love the idea. I'm going to put that out there right now. Because they did announce on Monday, first of all, that, of course, as I kind of already um, stated multiple times, WrestleMania will emanate from the Performance Center in Orlando, no one in attendance. And um, it kind of frustrated a lot of people, myself included. And again, a lot of people are saying, oh, what do you expect? Like, they can't postpone it and blah, blah, blah. I mean, they could. But the issue with WWE is that we don't know when this thing is going to be over. It's not like, oh, we know it's going to be over in a month. Why not just push it? Why not just push it to May or June or whatever, or even combine it with SummerSlam and make that SummerSlam show in Boston? Selfishly speaking, because I'll probably be there. Just one mega super show. It'll be SummerMania or WrestleSlam or whatever. Um, obviously, they're not going in that direction. They're going ahead with doing WrestleMania if they can, which is important to note because. There is a very good chance a lot can change. Anything can change in two or three weeks. I mean, look at where we were a week ago, and look at where we were two weeks before that, even a week before that, two weeks ago from now. It's a totally different situation. It's a totally different dynamic. The complexion of everything completely changed after last Wednesday night. And again, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And with that being said, if anyone, if anyone on that roster, whether it be you know, a wrestler, a crew member, uh, anyone test positive for COVID-19, the coronavirus, it's game over. WrestleMania ain't happening. So I know they're going ahead with the assumption that it's happening on a, as a two-day event, which again, I love. I really, really do with the idea that Gronk would be hosting and, and it might be filmed at multiple locations. What they mean by that, I have no idea. That could mean anything. They could film backstage interviews from WWE headquarters. I have no clue. Um, but I'm intrigued if nothing else. And if they're going to have to do it, you know, if they want to do it that weekend and not wait until this whole thing is over, which could be forever, we don't know. I mean, it won't be forever. Obviously it will end at some point. It will end eventually, 
We have no idea when that's going to be, though. So, again, I understand why they're doing it. I think it was, I, I thought it was a dumb idea to do it as one show at the PC. Um, but to split it up over two nights, I think, is really, really smart. First of all, from a health standpoint, from a safety standpoint, because it ensures that, you know, many people won't be in the same place at the same time, which is a recipe for a disaster, whether they have it or not. They should not be doing that. Um, so I think it kind of helps with that. A second thing is that it kind of breaks up the monotony of the card in the sense that we wouldn't be seeing a seven-hour show, which I can't imagine it would be that long anyway. Um, but it's breaking up a seven- or five-, six-hour show. And it's not like they're... I mean, I would hope they wouldn't have a... Pre- I mean, I guess they could have a pre-show because there's no wrestling anyway, and they don't really have to have a full arena. But anyway, um, you know, they don't have to have a seven-, six-hour show in front of nobody, and it's going to get old real quick. A lot of these matches aren't... No wrestling match is made to be in front of nobody, for the most part. Um, that being said, though, I think some matches will struggle more than others. Matches like Roman and Goldberg in front of nobody, that just doesn't really work quite as well. Um, especially the storytelling match is a last man standing match between Edge and Orton. They could get creative. They could go all around the PC a lot like Gargano and Ciampa did. They could, you know, make this as creative as they want to. WWE has the ability to get creative when they when they want to. Um, and I think they kind of showed that this past week. Not quite as much as AEW did, but hopefully they learn from their mistakes and they improve upon them and put on better shows going forward. Um, but yeah, I do think the two-day idea is very, very smart because it kind of gives, you know, gives us some big matches on Saturday, some big matches on Sunday, and I'll discuss what's happening when in a moment. Um, but it's not like we're sitting there watching a six-hour show with no one there and again, just just the commentators, like, that's stupid. I really think that's dumb. Um, I loved what AEW did on Wednesday, as I said earlier, when they filled up the crowd with, with some wrestlers. It's not like the entire crowd was the roster, the entire roster. They can't even do that anyway. The whole point of this banning people from events was to ensure that multiple people, like a lot of people, aren't in the same place at the same time. So <laughs> kind of defeats the purpose. Um, that being said, though, they had a few people sitting ringside like Hulk Cabana and Sonny Kiss and SCU and MJF and Sean Spears and a few other people, which I thought was really, really smart. Um, WWE, I don't know if they could do the same thing. I mean, they could do whatever they want. I don't know if they would do the same thing. Maybe Vince thinks it's tacky or whatever. I don't know, but for the people that won't probably be doing much anyway, all the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal participants, does it really matter whether we have a Battle Royal or not at this point? It hasn't been announced. It doesn't mean anything. The whole point is to get everyone on the card so they get that big WrestleMania bonus. Will there there even be a WrestleMania bonus this year? Because they're not... They're losing so much money from not doing it at Raymond James Stadium and Axis is off and obviously, um, you know, TakeOver ain't happening, the Hall of Fame ain't happening. I doubt there even would be a, a WrestleMania bonus this year. So why not just pay those people to sit in the audience and watch the show like everyone else um, and at least provide some excitement and a livelier atmosphere than just hearing the air conditioning in between holes. I don't like that at all. So I would rather people sit in the stands a lot like what Dynamite did on Wednesday. I thought that was a really, really good idea. Gronk serving as the host, I think, is also a great idea. I have no desire, at least anytime soon, to see this guy in the ring. I completely forgot. I completely forgot to talk about this on last week's show, um, just because there was so much going on with the whole coronavirus thing. There really wasn't any time to. But yeah, Gronk has officially signed with WWE. Um, it was heavily teased, quote unquote, even though it was probably already official by that point. On Tuesday's episode of Backstage, not this week because it was canceled this week, which stinks because Rhea Ripley was going to be on in CM Punk, but they had to cancel due to, um, I, I guess the Fox Studios have closed too, a lot like Full Sail and all the other arenas. And the Fox Studios um, is no different, so they had to uh, close that up. No backstage for the time being. They did not Skype in, which would have been cool, but they didn't do that, unfortunately. We didn't get to see CM Punk's home and him, you know, Skyping in from his house, and we got to see AJ Lee in the background, unfortunately. That would have been cool. Maybe they will do that at some point um, to ensure that they're not off the air for long. But anyway, what was it even going on about? Um, oh, Gronk. So, yeah, they did confirm uh, on backstage a week ago that Gronk was in talks, quote-unquote, even though it probably was already official by that point, as I already mentioned, that he had signed with WWE. They made it official on Friday. SmackDown saying that he'll be on, he'll be on SmackDown this coming week. I assume that's still the case because they're still advertising him as of now. I mean, that was before... I mean, a week ago, they had to know there was a good chance that they would be back at the PC for the following Friday. So why would they say that if they had no desire, if they didn't want to bring him in in front of nobody? I don't know. So I do think he will be there. 
on Friday show tomorrow night on SmackDown, which is cool. Um, Gronk grew up a wrestling fan. He's a big wrestling fan. He's been involved in many events. Um, he was actually at an NXT house show I was at about four years ago with RJ. We went to an NXT house show in Lowell, Massachusetts. And I, he, he must be from Massachusetts. I know he's a New England guy. He obviously played for the Patriots. I assume he's from Mass. Um, he knows Mojo Raleigh. They're very close friends, and Mojo Raleigh was on that show. Interestingly enough, I think he actually faced Reddick Moss, um, which is funny because they've recently been involved in that whole 24-7 championship picture thing. Have Reddick Moss and um, Mojo Raleigh. But anyway... He was at that show. He was at WrestleMania 33, which I also just so happened to be in attendance for. Helped uh, Mojo Raleigh win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, which meant absolutely nothing in retrospect, but it made mainstream you know headlines because uh, Gronk got involved. So there was that. But um, yes, I mean, the guy, he's obviously an athletic freak. He's got charisma for days. Not to say that he won't be successful, but this is a totally different story than him coming from like the UFC. Or the Olympics. I know people come from other sports all the time. Roman Reigns came from football. Goldberg came from football. So our universal championship match at WrestleMania is basically, you know, ex-NFL superstar. So I'm not all that surprised. And Gronk could be successful too. And he's not that old either. I think he's in his early 30s if he isn't 30 already. Um, If he's not 30 on the dot, I think he might be 31, 32. So it's not like he's 40 and he's all beat up. I know he's had some, you know, he's had his fair share of injuries. At the same time, though, I think he has a lot to offer as a personality, um, you know, bring new eyes to the product. Now might be as good of a time as any anyway, with sports being off for the foreseeable future. Um, I, you know, I think, it, I think it's a big positive for WWE to be bringing in Gronk in the right role. I don't want to see him out there wrestling in front of nobody against Riddick Moss or whatever. Like, the guy has to be out there either doing commentary, which may turn out to be a complete disaster, who knows. Um, but I think doing something more with the guy than, you know, just having him go out there and wrestle, which would be way too predictable and way too premature anyway, um, I think is the right move. So having him host WrestleMania is very, very smart. Um, We all kind of figured he would have some sort of presence at the pay-per-view anyway, considering he just signed recently. How could he not be at WrestleMania, Um, especially now? So again, with all these other things being canceled and postponed, I don't think ratings are going to go up. You know, people were trying to tell me that, oh, WrestleMania should go on at WrestleMania 4th or 5th. Or I mean, this was before they made it into a two-day event, and I was kind of frustrated about that. People, you know, at least one person in particular was trying to convince me, oh, you know, I think it's, it's a good thing for WWE. They were kind of saying it in a rude way. They took offense to me being frustrated with WrestleMania being bumped for some reason. I have no idea why that would concern them. Um, but they took my opinion and ran with it as like, oh, how could you be so dumb? Again, I'm paraphrasing here, but they got all frustrated that they didn't like the fact that WrestleMania was happening in the PC, and who would? And again, considering the circumstances, it's good they're putting on a show at all, but I would honestly hope, I, I would honestly prefer they just wait. But I realize in retrospect, that's not practical, because we have no idea how long this thing is going to last. And um, to come up with something better than just continuing to do the show like there's, you know, everything is fine. Like that gif with the dog sitting at the kitchen table and the house is burning down around him. Oh, everything is fine. This is fine. Like that's kind of like WWE right now. So uh, anyway, I do think it's a smart idea to have Gronk there. Having WrestleMania be a two-day event is very beneficial. And I think it's going to help a lot because people, again, are trying to make the argument like, oh, it's better than nothing. Is it though? I mean, I would rather have them maximize mania on being a bigger show and giving people their moment like Edge and McIntyre, who's going for his first championship. And like I said, Edge, who's wrestling his first match back. It's unfortunate their matches have to happen under these circumstances, um, but it's better than nothing and it's to a certain extent now that it's a two-day event. Having it be seven hours with no one there would have been a dumb idea. And the other argument, I think, was, oh, oh, right, that uh, there's no other sports on, so people are going to tune in in droves. I highly, highly doubt that. If people weren't watching wrestling before, they ain't going to start watching wrestling now. It might lead to some better viewership, but if people are watching Raw every week, and it's the same stuff in front of absolutely nobody, and they're replaying old Royal Rumble matches, trust me, pay-per-view buys will not go up. Network subscriptions will not go up. Raw and SmackDown ratings will not improve. So let's not pretend this is a major positive for WWE. This is hurting them as much as it is anybody else. And it stinks because for many other promotions, this is a huge negative. WrestleCon had to be canceled, and thankfully they're getting their money back. They were told by... There was a big story with WrestleCon in the last week about how 
they didn't make an official decision on their event happening or not happening. I mean, they kind of figured it wasn't happening, obviously, given the circumstances in the world right now, specifically here in this country. They kind of figured it wasn't happening, but they couldn't outright cancel it because if they did, they wouldn't get their money back. And then Marriott Hotel, I think, who was hosting the hotels for the wrestlers and for the fans and whatnot, told WrestleCon that we're not going to give you your money back. You owe us like $144,000 or something ridiculous like that. Thankfully, they offered an update the other day saying that they are getting their money back. People speaking out about it, like Jericho and others, definitely helped. I think they said that it didn't, but it definitely did, I'm sure. Definitely got more eyes in the situation to uh, you know garner sympathy for WrestleCon as they, as they should have. I thought that was a really smart move, a really nice thing for Jericho to do. And um, yeah, so obviously the event is canceled. People will get their money back. WrestleCon won't have to go out of business. They'll hold the event next year in Los Angeles, which is cool. So that's great. It's things that they have to cancel, but you got to do what you got to do. So WrestleCon is off. Obviously, all the WrestleMania weekend events are off. People couldn't fly in from other countries, specifically Europe and the UK and Ireland anyway. So why would you continue to hold it? So all that stuff is off. Uh, Impact lockdown, which was supposed to go down in a couple weeks. I mean, how ironic is this? This to me is hilarious. I mean, I, I hate to make you got to make light of a bad situation. I hate to make fun of Impact for this, but there are two shows that have already been canceled are Lockdown and There's No Place Like Home. If that's not ironic for Impact, if that's not fitting for them, then I don't know what is. There are two events that are getting canceled due to the COVID-19 are called Lockdown and TNA, There's No Place Like Home. That to me just makes too much sense. But it does stink that they're getting canceled, so those shows are off. They've said nothing about Rebellion so far, but I'm sure that's getting pushed back too, which stinks because I was supposed to be there in New York City in mid-April, but that's getting probably postponed or canceled outright. We'll soon see. NWA, the Crockett Couples, all you know, has been no exception to this. Um, they've already announced that even though it's not for another month, they're outright postponing indefinitely the Crockett Cup pay-per-view from April 19th to a later date, and that includes the tapings on that Monday and Tuesday they're not running any shows for the foreseeable future, and there was no new power this week. I think we were supposed to get the new Superpower show. Um, we're not even, they didn't even air that, because I guess they had to make appropriate changes to reflect what's going on with the NWA and the fact that the pay-per-view isn't happening on April 19th, which is smart impact and do that, and granted, NWA's on power. They could probably get away with not doing a show this week, but, um, you know, at least for the NWA... It stinks because they're going to run out of content real quick if they can't offer up anything new, um, you know, you know, come the next month or so. They have things taped, I would assume, for the next little while. But beyond that, I think it's a real shame because are they going to run interviews, old content? They actually put up their entire NWA 70 pay-per-view from late 2018 on YouTube um, in place of power on Tuesday, which I thought was really, really cool. So uh, they're not, you know, exempt of this either. They're being canceled and postponed. Um, all Ring of Honor events, even worse for them, they've already outright announced that all Ring of Honor events through the end of May, not March, not April, but May have been canceled. That's a lot of content. That includes Super Card of Honor over WrestleMania weekend, which you had to know was getting canceled. If WrestleMania it wasn't happening, why would Super Card of Honor happen? That got canceled um, just last week, which I mentioned on last week's show. The Ring of Honor 18th anniversary pay-per-view got called off. The past versus present show was canceled. Um, the Impact, or not the Impact, the Ring of Honor tapings in New York City. I think there was one in New York City and Massachusetts. And definitely here in, in the U.S. Um, throughout the spring have all been postponed and canceled. I don't know about the War of the World show. I think that if that was happening in May, then that's off too. It, it really, really stinks for Ring of Honor. They're soon going to run out of, of original content to run on their shows. Um, they kind of already have. Um, they haven't had a, you know a, any original shows since, I think, the 29th. I think Leap Day. Um, they had two back-to-back shows, Bound by Honor and Gateway by Honor, which they haven't put to, or Gateway to Honor, I think it was called. They haven't put any of that content on their weekly Ring of Honor shows yet, but I think they're going to have to in the next couple weeks because beyond that, once that runs out, I have no idea what they're going to do for their weekly television show because all their shows for the next three months have been, you know, canceled, which stinks. Not even postponed, but canceled. So it's a really unfortunate situation. As for AEW, and I'll be talking about this momentarily during my Dynamite review, but they're taking it day by day as they should be, which is smart. They made it a point on last night's show to not say, Oh, we'll be back next week on next week's episode of Dynamite. They specifically said multiple times on the next episode of Dynamite, we're having the blood and guts match and the street fight and da-da-da-da-da. 
which is the right approach because we have no idea. Again, like I said before, so much has changed within the last week, two weeks, three weeks, 48 hours, that anything else can change too. I didn't think restaurants and movie theaters and gyms would close, but they have since Monday. There's there's a legit chance we can go into an actual lockdown in this country um, within the next week or so. If not just Connecticut, if not other states, I would not be surprised at all. Really, at this point, nothing would surprise me. It's unfortunate. It's depressing. It's sad. It, it's inconvenient for a lot of these companies and people just in general, but you got to do what you got to do to stay safe. So we may not even have a Dynamite next week. We may not even have WrestleMania. All that talk about Mania being two days and all this other stuff may not even matter. I just got done reading. And again, take this for what it's worth. And But I do believe it. Dave Meltzer had said on last night's Wrestling Observer Radio episode when discussing um, AEW Dynamite that the testing, quote-unquote, that they're doing for the coronavirus and all these tapings for WWE and AEW is simply just taking their temperature I mean, they don't have the coronavirus tests ready and accessible for everyone to take. And as many other people have said, it takes days to get the results back. And by that point, you're not in isolation. You could have already contact or contracted it or, um, you know, you, you could have already gotten it or um, spread it, whatever. So the moment any of these people test positive for coronavirus or have the symptoms or whatever, Marco's stun I had read was sick. He stayed home. That's what you got to do. Why would you go to the taping if you're sick? It doesn't matter if it's, you know, the flu or the common cold or the coronavirus, stay home. If you think you're sick, you're not feeling well, it doesn't matter if it's wrestling or any other job, you got to stay home. You got to put yourself, not just put yourself, not just put yourself first, but also consider the health and, and, you know, safety of other people. You may be fine. You may think you're being a hero by going to work, but other people may not be as fortunate and you're getting them sick too and putting their lives and their loved ones in jeopardy. So um, I was glad to hear that, but the whole testing thing, there's really not much more they could do, to be honest with you, aside from just not doing the shows. Anyone mad about, oh, they didn't do the testing, like people could be sick. I mean, yeah, it's unfortunate, but we don't know. Until someone gets sick, then we can you know, complain all we want about this, but the only other alternative was not doing the show at all. It's better than not taking their temperature, as Dave Meltzer said, and I agree. I don't agree with a lot of what Dave Meltzer says, but I agree with that assessment that it's better than nothing. It's not ideal, but there really wasn't much more they could do. Anyway, before we go any further here, um, I do want to mention this. There was a lot of stuff to get to. There's still stuff I want to talk about in terms of Dynamite and Monday Night Raw. Thankfully, there is no NXT to review from this past week. As I said earlier, it was a glorified clip show. Um, They had sit-down interviews with Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Rhea Ripley, and Finn Balor. All great stuff. Far from a must-see show. I thought it was very well done. You can't do that stuff every week. I don't know if they're going to go back to having matches or building the TakeOver, if TakeOver ain't happening. Who knows? TakeOver, there's a very good chance they could just push it to the Wednesday before WrestleMania weekend and and do it as like a thing to go up against um, AEW. Who knows? I mean, the Wednesday Night Wars at this point hardly matter. It's really more a matter of just putting on entertainment for everybody during these trying times. So while that is one option, I saw a lot of people mentioning that. The WWE Hall of Fame I had read per um, the British Bulldog's daughter, that could be moved to SummerSlam weekend, assuming SummerSlam is, you know, remains intact, and that's not postponed or canceled either, which, again, there's a good chance of considering the current circumstances of everything going on right now, the projections of how long this may last. Um... But anyway, so if that happens and the Hall of Fame moves to SummerSlam weekend, there was no word on TakeOver. There was always supposed to be a TakeOver in Boston, but do you continue the storylines? Do you continue the feuds for the next five months and blow them off there? I don't think that's practical. Either you take a break or I really don't know. I'm not really sure what they're going to do. At this point, with everything being so uncertain, they might just be smarter waiting it out and acting from there, doing it on an episode of NXT in the next couple of weeks. We have no idea right now. That would be unfortunate. Um, I specifically feel for Gargano and Ciampa. It stinks for them. They had their WrestleMania moment match, and uh, not WrestleMania moment, but their WrestleMania weekend match and moment taken away from them last year. And yeah, they had their match over Mania weekend two years ago, and it was one of the better matches ever in NXT history with Gargano beating Ciampa on that unsanctioned match. But the rematch was supposed to be even better. After another year of build and, you know, Gargano finally beats Ciampa of the NXT Championship, that got taken away from them when Ciampa got hurt. Now it may not happen at all this year, which really, really stinks. Um, but anyway, we'll soon see what they what approach they take with NXT, what they do with that, um, whether they move it to an episode of NXT or they hold off or they continue to do what they did last night. You can't do that every week, though. Um, character profiles are great, and I thought they did an awesome job of it on Wednesday, but they also have to splice in 
more, you know, more recent content, more current content with the superstars either backstage doing interviews, kind of what they did on Raw. They need to find a common ground here with a combination of video packages and not doing just replays and stuff like that. Raw, I thought they did the best that they could to make the bad to make the best out of a bad situation. But there were there was a lot of stuff. I mean, to call it a bad show, I think would be too harsh because it actually did have some good moments between Edge challenging Randy Orton to a last man standing match at Mania, which I mean, obviously won't be the same without a crowd. And I'm sure Edge has been building to this for so long, waiting to get back in the ring for WrestleMania, and now he's going to wrestle in front of absolutely nobody. Um, but I thought the promo was great. He looked right into the camera and. I think Beth Phoenix tweeted that he traveled 17 hours, or at least he drove 17 hours to get there due to travel issues with his plane or whatever, just for a five-minute promo that he probably could have done from his home. But anyway, I thought that was great. Um, The Taker and AJ Styles quote-unquote contract signing I thought was well done. Um, Styles was really good in his delivery. Taker was good. They kept it short and sweet as they should have. It was bizarre to have the lights go out and have them go back on, and Taker is standing right behind Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. That was a little goofy, but the segment overall I thought was fine. Um, Styles has been great so far. Some of his best work in, in some time during the Staker feud, which is cool. Um, the Mysterio-Andrade match, which was like only a couple minutes long, the only match they had on the entire show, was fun. But again, they need to do... The thing is, is that if they have matches with people actually there, not fans, but like wrestlers sitting there, we might have a different mindset on it. Because Dynamite had a lot of matches on Wednesday, and they were entertaining for the most part, because they had people there providing, you know, like white noise type of thing, background noise, you know, actual noise for this stuff. So anyway, um, you know, I I think if they do more of that, they can do more matches, but one match on a three-hour show just ain't going to cut it. Becky Lynch's promo I thought was good addressing Shayna Baszler. Shayna's still looking at the, the, the TV in the back from a weird angle. They haven't ditched that crap yet, but I thought that was, you know, I thought it was a good promo, though, from Becky. The Stone Cold thing, I mean, if it's your cup of tea, great. I thought it was awesome they had him on the show. Um, I think they could have done a lot better of a job with that, though. Either have him going around wreaking havoc all around the PC or drinking with people. Having him go out there and just play patty cake for five minutes with Byron Saxton, essentially, with the whole rating thing, I thought was just dumb. I didn't laugh. I didn't think it was funny. Byron Saxton was probably living life, getting stunned by Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm sure he was absolutely loving life in that moment. But for everyone else, to me anyway, some people loved it. I thought it was a total waste of time. I thought it was great to see Austin. And again, it was going to be a lot fun, you know, a lot more fun if they were in front of the Philadelphia crowd. They were going nuts on 316 day. It's a lot different in front of nobody. And I applaud his effort, but they should not have put him in that position. Um, It would have been a lot better if he was just backstage doing some shenanigans or even recording a podcast for 60 minutes. Who knows? It's better than what they did on Monday night at the end of the episode. Uh, They did replay the entire men's Royal Rumble match from like... 8.30, 8.30, not even 8.15 to maybe 9.45, 10 o'clock. The last hour was everything I just mentioned, except, except for the Edge promo. Um, that took up almost half of the show. And again, it was a great match. It was a really, really good match and, and whatnot. And I think it's great to plug content for the network. But to replay a 20-minute match on SmackDown with the Elimination Chamber match is one thing. To replay an hour and a half rumble, Come on. I mean, that's just ridiculous. It was a great match, and I think they could do more of replaying classic content, getting people to want to sign up for the network and whatnot. I totally agree with that. But to replay an entire Rumble we just saw a month or two ago, I don't think is the smartest decision. Maybe replaying old WrestleMania matches that newer fans may not have seen or haven't seen in a long time I think might be smart. Again, with the McIntyre, I think it worked because it builds to WrestleMania and whatnot, but you can't do that every single week. What is next week going to be the Women's Rumble? They got to find a better way with with commercials too. So it's not just the rumble; it's commercials spliced in, and they didn't cut out any part of the match. So I think they could do a better job of that going forward. But anyway, though, um, I thought overall it was a fine episode of Raw. I forgot to mention this, but Jushin Thunder Liger is going into the WWE Hall of Fame, and what a bummer for that guy. They announced it Monday morning, and then we found out less than 12 hours later that um, the Hall of Fame is off. So that's a real shame. But yeah, Jushin Thunder Liger is going into the WWE Hall of Fame regardless of when it happens. It's you know He's going in at some point. And I forgot to mention this too from my notes. I uh, just came across it. But on day one, it's already been announced that day one will consist of Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. So this is going on on April 4th, the Saturday, which would have been TakeOver. But Saturday will feature Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins, The Undertaker versus AJ Styles, Charlotte Flair versus... 
excuse me, Rhea Ripley for the NXT Women's Championship and Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. They're doing that on Saturday, which means that Sunday will be headlined by Goldberg versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. It may not even matter if the show gets called off, but that's just so petty to me. Does that mean the original plan was to have Roman Reigns and Goldberg go on last? Because if so, why would you even watch on Sunday? Hey, this whole two-day thing may work out for the better because they feel like the matches are more interested in are happening on Saturday. Taker, Styles, Ripley, Flair, Lesnar, McIntyre, Cena, Wyatt, they did a good job of getting me more excited for it on Friday's episode of SmackDown with a whole verbal exchange. I thought that was well done. I'm not exactly looking forward to the match, though, especially without a crowd there. Becky Lynch and Shayna could be good. Uh, I think they've, you know, built up the feud well in recent weeks over the last month. But, um, you know, Goldberg and Reigns going on last, that may be an easy skip for me. I'm going to watch the show anyway, but for a lot of people, I can see them saying, why would I watch Sunday if all the matches, or a majority of the matches, rather, that I want to see are going on Saturday? That, to me, seems strange. But anyway, that's WrestleMania. We'll quickly get into my thoughts from Dynamite on Wednesday night, which I thought overall was a great show. Um, all things considered, even given the empty arena and everything else, I thought, again, they made the most out of a bad situation. They had people in the audience. Justin Roberts couldn't make it, so they had Brandy Rhodes go back to ring announcing, which he vowed to never do again. They actually put that in her nameplate when they put, like, the facts about people right above their name when they come out. <laughs> you know, Brandy Rhodes, for her, it said, vowed that she would never ring announce again, and here we are. She's doing it again for the first time since... um. Uh, I don't know if she did it for Cody on the indies at any point, but she definitely did it in WWE as Eden Styles years ago. I think the last show that she ring announced was the Extreme Rules pay-per-view that I was at the day after Cody requested his release in May of 2016. But anyway, so she ring announced. They had wrestlers in the crowd, like I said earlier, Cole Cabana, Sonny Kiss, SCU, MJF, Sean Spears. I thought overall it was really, really well done. They, they did what they could, and it made for a better environment than what we saw in Raw and SmackDown in the last week. So hopefully WWE sees this, and maybe not, you know, Vince McMahon is sitting there watching Dynamite, but someone important from WWE sees this, and they follow suit, and they do something similar for uh, for SmackDown on Saturday, or rather Friday, and Raw next week, and every show going forward, because having an empty arena with absolutely nobody there, and yes, in certain cases, you may need to break character, but not if you split up the faces from the heels. I'm not saying having Taker sit out there and watch the show, but like for the other people that are there that aren't doing anything... Kevin Owens, the Street Profits for one. It's better than nothing. But anyway, I thought this was a great show. Um, they kicked off with the Elite, Cody, Kenny, Matt Jackson, all discussing blood and guts and how they need to kind of bond together. They also did not shy away from mentioning the current tough times with the uh, coronavirus pandemic and everything else for people to not panic, to kind of stick together and whatnot. So I thought it was good for them to not ignore it outright like WWE seemed to in their last couple shows. Um, Adam Page came out. He didn't say anything, but he did agree to team with them in Blood and Guts. And Nick Jackson, in storyline, is injured after getting attacked by the Elite last week. Um, So he will not be in Blood and Guts, depending on when that happens. It would be weird if they postponed this a couple weeks or a couple months, and Nick Jackson is still hurt. (laughs) Like, Wouldn't that make no sense? But we found out who the fifth member of the team was at the end of the episode, which I'll get into momentarily. Um, So I thought that was a great promo from all involved. They did not shy away from bringing up the history of, you know, between Kenny Omega and Cody from a few years ago when they had issues. So I thought overall this was a really, really good promo. They dimmed the lights for the show too, at least early on, which I thought was smart. The first match saw the Lucha Bros knock off best friends. Um, Great match. And again, the crowds really make these shows. I think the crowds for AEW consistently have been the best of any other wrestling show that I've seen in the last year. Um, NXT has some good crowds too, Dynamite even more so because there's a lot more people and the crowds are usually livelier. So um, yeah, I mean, I know they weren't there for this one and there was no actual live audience, but it was a great match regardless. They went out there and killed it as only they could. And then Best Friend said afterward, listen, we want you in the parking lot, whether it be backstage, parking lot, whatever, uh, we want to beat you up. So whenever Dynamite takes place next, whether it's next week or next month or whatnot, um, we're going to see Best Friends versus Lucha Bros in a parking lot brawl. And that's what we need more of. And not just the street fight match where it's no DQ, like a legit street fight, which I love. You can't do this stuff every week, but you got to find different ways to break up the show so it's not all taking place inside of an arena with no people. And I think they're doing the best that they can, and this is a very smart idea. I'm surprised WWE hasn't done this yet. 
they kind of did with Gargano and Ciampa last week in NXT, but that was in front of actual people, so it was different. But anyway, we had a four-way women's match. Uh, Hikaru Shida beating Penelope Ford, Rio, Chris Statlander. Decent match. Penelope Ford botched at one point. Um, but other than that, you know, I thought it was a good match. Shida winning as she should have. I think she makes the most sense, despite being pinned by Nyla Rose last week in the show, to uh, be next in line for a shot of the AEW Women's Championship. Jurassic Express be the Butcher and the Blade. Not quite as good of a match. I thought this was kind of awkward in certain spots. Kind of fell off. And again, I know there was no audience, but... Sometimes having a hot crowd can make up for that type of stuff. Unfortunately, not having an actual crowd there kind of exposes the weaknesses of certain matches and not really having much of a story. So that was the problem with this one. But I thought it was a good match regardless, and they kind of recovered towards the end there with the right people going over. The Dark Order finally revealing the Exalted One, which we all thought it would be Broken Matt. It ended up being Brody Lee. And as soon as I started to hear him talk, I'm like, that's definitely Luke Harper. The voice was altered and everything else. But it was so obvious it was Harper, just based off the, his delivery and everything else. And um, I think they they did a really good job of building this up and getting people excited. And it's just a shame that it had to happen here in front of nobody, because it would have had an even bigger reaction in front of his hometown of Rochester, which is where the show was supposed to take place. But I thought this was really, really well done. And uh, we'll see if they can commit to Harper, or rather Brody Lee. WWE, I think... You know, we can make the argument, oh, you know, it doesn't matter what AEW does with the guy. He's going to be better off here than he was in WWE, which may be true, but I feel like we all said the same thing about Sean Spears. And yeah, he's in a slightly better spot now than he was on SmackDown as their resident jobber for a long time when he got called up three years ago. But they're still not doing a hell of a lot with the guy. He's still sitting on the sidelines. You know, he hasn't won an important match in forever. They pushed him from the get-go in that feud with Cody, which I thought was cool. And then he lost. And then that was it for the guy. That was pretty much it for his singles run in, in AEW. So I wouldn't get high hopes for Brody Lee just yet, but I am I am optimistic that um, they can figure something out and they can continue to utilize him the right way as, uh, as I hope they will. We also heard from, not heard from, but we saw Lance Archer beat up a bunch of scrubs on some random compound somewhere. I thought that was kind of cool. Random, but cool. Kind of brought me back to uh, Peanut Butter Falcon a little bit based off how they... Uh, beat up, you know, these random hillbillies out in nowhere, which actually Jake the Snake Roberts was a part of. We did hear from him on the show, great promo from Jake the Snake, um, and he accompanied him to the quote-unquote ring at this compound where he beat all these people up. But we did not hear from Archer himself, but I thought this was, you know, I thought this was well done, though, and we need more stuff like this. Filming stuff off location in random, you know, um, random places like they did here. I think more of this type of stuff is really, really smart. Um, and then finally, in the main event, we saw the Inner Circle knock off the Elite, the Inner Circle consisting of Jake Hager, Santana, Ortiz, and then the Elite consisting, of course, of Matt Jackson, Cody, and um, Kenny Omega. Not Kenny Omega, I'm sorry, Hangman Adam Page. Kenny Omega will not be cleared at least until next week. So with this win, they have earned the advantage in next week's, hopefully next week's, Blood and Guts match. But that wasn't it. The show went off the air about five minutes too early, or at least the match ended five minutes too early, it seemed. And I'm thinking, are they killing time? Like, what's going on here? Because Jericho was rambling for a little while on the mic. And it was entertaining. The guy was great on commentary. But I'm thinking, why are they dragging this out? And I'm thinking, okay, they got to reveal who the fifth member of the team is. Because if blood and guts doesn't happen, then we'll never know, or at least not anytime soon, we will never know, at least not for a while, who the fifth member of the team was. They had to do it here. And they did. So while Jericho is talking, we see a drone. We hear this buzzing noise, and we're like, what is that? And as soon as I heard the noise, at least two seconds in anyway, I'm like, I know exactly what this is. And I'm sure many other people did as well. A drone flies out, lands right in the ring. It's none other than Vanguard 1. And just to put this in perspective, a lot of people thought Broken Matt would be the exalted one of the Dark Order. It was heavily teased by Matt, the Dark Order themselves, um, AEW, we all kind of figured it would be Matt, but they threw us a major curveball by revealing it to be Brody Lee. And I think Brody Lee would have been a better client for Jake the Snake, but he could also thrive in this role as well. Um, but anyway, though, so we all thought it was Broken Matt. He did not put up a new Free the Delete until after the Dark Order segment, which I thought was really, really smart to keep people kind of guessing. And we all thought that was it until he was shown in the rafters on this show, um, being revealed as the fifth and final member of the Elite's team at Blood and Guts. So the piano music starts playing. Really, really cool theme from what it sounds like. It's not the same impact theme that he used with the piano years ago, but it's very similar. And he was doing the typical Matt Hardick, uh, broken Matt, you know, mannerisms, and he did the delete, 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 and everything else. It was a great moment to end the show. My only regret is that this whole coronavirus, this 
damn coronavirus, caused us a great moment with um, it being a major crowd reaction in Rochester. Other than that, though, I thought this was an amazing ending to the show. Overall, I thought it was a great episode of Dynamite, and um, hopefully we could see more shows like that. We can see more shows like this from them going forward, assuming the shows can continue and they're not shut down. Hopefully, the same goes for WWE. Hopefully, no one tests positive and it doesn't get worse. But it's a day-to-day thing. We're learning more about this coronavirus as time goes on. So all these shows could be canceled by next week. We have no idea. But if this was the last episode of Dynamite for a while, they went out on a high note because this was great stuff. Um, and that's it. I think that's all I got to cover here today. There's more I can get into, but that's pretty much the gist of it. So stay tuned to my socials and everything else for more updates on this whole COVID-19 stuff and how it's affecting the wrestling world with Ring of Honor, Impact, AEW, WWE, NWA, and everything else. Hopefully it passes soon enough when we get back to normal. But as I said at the start of the show, I hate to say it, I feel like it will get worse before it gets better. But when it gets better, it's going to be pretty damn cool. It's going to be very exciting to see things come back and things reopen and everything else. It's going to be a very exciting time. And hopefully this, you know, reminds people, I hate to say it's a blessing in disguise because this thing is awful, but hopefully it reminds people to not take certain things and certain people for granted. So if there's any positive takeaway, which there really is none from this, hopefully that's one of them. But anyway, guys, thank you for checking out WrestleRant Radio for today, March 19th, 2020. Um, if you're home quarantining, hopefully this helps you kill the time. And if you haven't already, check out all the older episodes of WrestleRant Radio right here on the iTunes app, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, uh, I already said iTunes, uh, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, NextDayWrestling.net. All the old episodes are up there, all 350 of them or whatever it is. Um, and, uh, there's plenty of content there to binge and, uh, listen to all my old reviews and all the guests we've had on. Uh, I'm sure we will have on another guest at some point here on the show in the next couple weeks if this is the, the lay of the land for the foreseeable future, so time will tell. But in the meantime, though, be sure to follow me on the socials on Twitter at WrestleRant on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews and also on YouTube as well for daily content at YouTube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews. So until next time, guys, have a great rest of your week slash weekend. Stay safe, stay stay indoors, quarantine yourself, watch the WWE Network. Um, If I had the time, I would go back and watch every Raw that I could. So uh, find ways to kill time. Listen to the show. I mean, there's plenty of ways to uh, kill time, but one of them is to listen to older episodes of WrestleRant Radio and every new episode every single Thursday. So there is that. But in all seriousness, guys, this is Graham GSM Matthews reminding you to wash your hands, and I'll catch your ass down the road. Do myself a case